Um, this is going to be a kind of a short lesson, I think. My notes are pretty short. And while teaching our kids the word is like one of the most important things that we can do, I also don't know that there's a lot to it. You know what I mean? So I'm like writing out my notes and I'm like, that's kind of it. I can't really think of anything else. But of course, one of the questions I have for you guys is, what are the things that you're doing in your house? Because obviously in our house, we're not doing it all, nor are we doing it all right. So um, I'm excited to hear from you guys too, some things that work in your house. So um, I believe that the best, one of the best gifts, well, the best gift we can give our children is leading them to Christ, um, moving them on this path towards salvation, um, to help them show them who Jesus, or to show them who Jesus is and show them what faith looks like lived out. Um, taking them to church is good, reading the Bible is good, but showing them with our lives what it looks like to live a faith for Jesus, to follow Jesus. And I just really believe that as um, a Christian mom, that's the very best gift we can give our kids. Academics are great, sports are great, you know, um, character traits are great, honesty is great, it's all great. But the best gift we can give our kids is to just like lead them down a path towards Jesus. And honestly, first and foremost, we need to do that by example. Um, if we are not showing our kids what that looks like, we just can't expect them. They'll follow in our footsteps if we're if we're just like you know showing them the talk, talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Um, they'll follow in our you know people. How many people do you know who are raised going to church, but the parents didn't really live out their faith, and eventually the kids just stop going to church, and the parents stop going to church. They just followed in their parents' footsteps. But if we show them a true faith in following Jesus. There's no guarantee they're going to follow in our footsteps, but it's much more likely that they will. Um, so when I was a new mom um, and I just had a little baby and then a three-year-old, he was our foster son, I was trying to like do my, read my Bible and stuff when they weren't around so that they didn't bother me. <laughs> so I would try to fit it in, I don't know, when they weren't there, which was rare and so it was really hard to fit it in. And suddenly it occurred to me that I felt like I was... What's the word? I was missing out on teaching them something by trying to do it away from them. But if I did it right in front of them or incorporated them into it, I was automatically just giving them this gift just by letting them see the consistency of me being in the Word. <clears throat> and so while I think it's great for me to get time away from my kids to be in the Word where I can truly dissect it and I can take notes and they aren't interrupting me, it's also so important that they can see us doing it. And so a lot of moms like to get up before their kids um, are up and read the Bible. That's fine. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't. But, like, for me, I get up and work out in the morning before my kids get up. But then they get up and they see me working out. And they see those last five or ten minutes and sometimes they join me. So even if you're doing it before they wake up, they probably are still going to see you doing it. And so whether you're doing it in the middle of the day, like I tend to do it, or in the early, early mornings... It is important that our kids are seeing it. And I don't mean like, does everybody see me? You know, but just build it into your life. And don't be afraid to have the interruptions and things like that. And I think it's okay to say to your kids, like, listen, this is important to me. So you're going to just not bother me for a little bit. I am going to spend time reading my Bible. And I don't want you to ask me 100 questions. So go find something to do. Like, I think that's okay to say to our kids. But they're still seeing it. They're witnessing it, the consistency. That's what they're going to remember. When I look back on my childhood... Rarely does like one key moment stick out to me. It's just, well, I did this all the time. You know, I always did this, quote unquote. We always went sledding and came in and had hot chocolate. Well, we probably had hot chocolate once a week. <laughs> but it was consistent. It was, we were cold, we came in, there was a fire, and my mom made us hot chocolate. Or I always made dinner with my mom. 
I probably made dinner with my mom maybe once a week, but it was consistent. It was the thing. It wasn't a one-time event. And so that's what's so important to teach our kids when it comes to the word is consistency. It's not a one-time event. It doesn't have to be every single day if that doesn't work for you, but it's just a consistency that we want to show them. So the thing about teaching your kids the word I think is so important is, um, and this is, needs to be modeled by us, is that the Bible should be our why. So when we have a question in life, the answer is, well, what does the Bible say about it? The Bible is our why. So let me give you some examples. Be nice to your sister. Why? Because the Bible says so. What does the Bible say about it? You know, here's just one verse, John 13, 34. So I'm now giving the commandment to love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Why should you love your sister? Because Jesus first loved you, and he tells you to love, your, love other people. We need to forgive freely. Why? Because the Bible says so. Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. So when our kids are like, well, why? Why do we need to do that? Why do we need to do that? Well, let's just find out what the Bible says. They might not know, you might not know, but you guys can find out together. Speak with kindness. Why? Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. Let's serve one another. Why? Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, to serve one another humbly in love. Obey your parents. Why? Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Honor your mother and father, the first commandment, with a promise, so it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Sorry, that's Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Um, we can give answers all day long from a place of great intentions. And I mean, you know, they'll have good, sound, rational reasons for why. But if we neglect to help point their whys to the Bible, we're just missing out on so much because the Bible is chock full of answers. Doesn't Give us all the answers, and a lot of things are gray, um, but there are so many good answers that we can just direct straight through the Bible. We can have a biblical basis for what we do, and this should come with our lives. Um, you know, why do I not cheat on my taxes? <laughs> why do I not lie to my spouse? You know, why do I not lie to get out of a speeding ticket? All those answers are in the Bible, and I can show my children that with my life. You know, my kids have had this conversation, like, they're like, Mom, if you got pulled over, you could just say this. And I'm like, yes, I could. That would be very tempting. Or I could just be honest. I just wasn't paying attention to the speed limit. You know, the reality is I don't really get paid over, pulled over because I do pay attention to the speed limit. But, like, I've had these conversations with my kids, and they're already like, well, you could just try to get out of it. And I'm like, or I could just accept the consequences. Why? That's biblical. You know, and so we can always be pointing our kids to the why for ourselves and for us. Um, so another thing about pointing our kids to the Bible is I don't know all of your backgrounds. Some of you maybe were raised from the ground up in the church and you know the whole Bible in and out and you've read it three times. And others of you might be like, I've barely just touched on learning the Bible. I, I know very little about God and what he says in his word. And the reality is, is that that is okay. So I want to share a story with you about my friend Allie. And my friend Allie is like super strong Catholic, and she just like loves the Catholic faith. And it's so inspiring to watch, because to be honest, there are a lot of Catholic people who just show up. I mean, there's a lot of Christian people who do that too, but especially with the Catholic traditions, because, you know, it is very just boom, 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 you hit your points. But she just loves the Catholic faith. What I didn't know was that she just became a Catholic and a Christian eight years ago. So what happened was she started dating her husband. They were just dating, and he went to church every single week. He was a devout Catholic. And so finally, after a couple months, she decided to stop sleeping in and join him. And she saw love and acceptance and, and like, 
traditions and so much beauty. And she was like, I want a part of this. Well, they got pregnant outside of marriage and she became a Catholic on the Easter vigil. It's like the Saturday of Easter service. That's where like adults, is it the only time of year that adults become Catholic? Do you know? Okay, so it's like the day that you as an adult can enter into the Catholic church. There might be other days of the year, but that's a big one. And she was 39 weeks pregnant and not married. And she's joining the Catholic church, which I think is just like a beautiful testament of a faith done well. That they just like embraced her and loved her. And they were engaged. They were getting married. And they did. So for the last eight years, she's been a mom and a brand new believer. She did not even grow up going to church. She said maybe once a year. She wasn't even sure if she went that many times. So now she's teaching her kids this faith and the Bible that she knows nothing about. And she's like, I'm learning it with them. And it's so exciting and it's eye-opening. And she's like, but I'm not afraid to say, I don't know these things yet to my kids. And I just think that is such a beautiful picture of faith done well in your home. You don't have to know all the answers. Allie doesn't know the answers because she was raised with none of them. And so she didn't have that foundation that many of us do. But she's like, I'm not going to let that stop me from teaching my kids. And so no matter where you're at, like I went to school and have a degree in religion and philosophy. I do know a lot of biblical answers, but like I didn't used to and I was afraid to talk to people about the Bible because I was like, well, what if I don't know the answer? And the reality is, is it's okay to say to our kids and other people, I don't really know, but I bet I could find out. It's somewhere in there. <laughs> I can figure it out through Google or the index or some commentary. The answers are somewhere. We don't have to be scholars to teach our kids. One of the best things we can say to our kids is like, should we find out what the Bible says about that? So if they're like, well, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to give our money to the church? Should we find out what the Bible says about that? And then open up in the back of your Bible to the index and look up, look up keywords. Giving, tithing, offerings. Or if you just want to do it the really easy way, just Google. What does the Bible say about giving away our money? <laughs> and it'll be like, here are 20 verses that you can read. But then go to your Bible and look them up with your kids so that they get used to flipping through the Bible with you. They get used to you saying, well, this book is in the Old Testament. And even if you don't know where it is and you have to look in the table of contents or whatever, you're turning to it together. One of the best things that happened to me as an adult was I went to a church where everyone brought their Bible to church. And the pastor was like, I will not put the verses on the screen. Open your Bible and get it. And it was so terrifying. I was like, what if I can't find the chapter or the book that he's talking about? And I grew up in the church and I grew up reading my Bible. And I was, I had a degree in religion and philosophy. I was already out of college. But there's just these tiny books that I can't quite remember where they are. And there's these big books I can't remember where they are. And there's a lot of flipping. And But that's okay because the more I did it in church, the more comfortable I became and the less awkward it became. And the more I was just like, well, I don't have to know where everything is. It's a huge book. And some of the little books in the Bible are like three pages long. If I can't remember exactly where it is, I think that's forgivable. So like turn to the, to the books and the chapters with your kids, even if you're cheating and doing it on Google, which I don't really consider cheating. I think that's just good common sense. Like <laughs> there are things that I have tried to look up through the index and it's like, I must not be looking up the right words. Because I'm not finding the verses, but I know they're in there. So then I do a quick Google search, and sure enough, there they come. And so uh, I think that's a great way to do it. Ask your kids, should we find out what the Bible says? Then turn the Bibles, read it together, and then ask yourselves. So like if you're with two or three of your kids, like, well, what do you think that means? Well, what do you think that means? Well, this is what I think it means. I wonder what it really does mean. And sometimes there's notes at the bottom of your Bible. You could look up. You can Google. I do this all the time. Google commentary on, you know, Matthew 5.1. And it'll bring up a bunch of people's commentaries. My favorite commentary is Matthew Henry's commentary because he's just the easiest to understand. It just makes sense. The way that he, it's kind of like um, 
it's not very scholarly. <laughs> it's the same things that all the other commentaries say, but in a way that I can understand and in a way that I can use in my real life. Um, so you don't just have to read it and go, oh, I have no idea what that means. Expand on that. Find out what they say. Um, when we know God... Oh, sorry. I forgot to just turn that page. I was like, I don't think I'm there yet. Uh, so, okay. Moving on past that. Each family does, is going to do things different. So maybe you grew up in a family where you did like daily devotions. Or maybe you grew up in a family like me where you didn't, but your friend's family did daily devotions. And you were like, are we supposed to be doing that? Are we doing something wrong? Your family is going to do things different than my family, different than Carol's family. Every family is going to do things different. And I think it's really important that we not sit and go, I'm failing, I'm failing, because look at how well that family is doing it. I think what you say to yourself is like, and, and God is like, I just want to do what I can do. So what should we start doing today? And that's going to look different. In our house, with my husband, it has never really worked to do daily devotions. Because Joey works mornings, he works nights, he works evenings, he works weekends, he works holidays. He works such a random schedule. There's no one time a day that he's even home. I can't even, you know, consistently do anything with him. Um, he's, you know, a lot of days he doesn't get home till 8 p.m., but he's up, he's gone before we even wake up in the morning. And so <clears throat> that'll happen four or five days in a row, so he's not really there. So there's no time to consistently do a family devotion. And so then I was like, oh, I'm not even getting time in with my kids and, and Joey can't do it because he's not here. And I was feeling so discouraged that I wasn't getting it in. And at some point, something started working, but I just had to do one little thing. What can I do today? And so <clears throat> I will tell you what we do now. But when my kids were really little, it was just a matter of like, we just read the board books, you know, the Bible board books, the ones about the Bible stories or, you know, the children's Bibles. I just read those because I'm already reading the books. So if we're just reading those, at least we're talking about some Bible stories. And I'd ask them questions based on that. Um, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite stories was we have this um, kids, it's not really like a Bible but it's more than Bible stories. It's like somewhere between there. And David, I came into my room one day and he had all the kids on the bed and he was reading this to them. Once in a while, they'll ask him to read him a book. David's 17. Usually they don't ask him, but once in a while they do. And he always says, yes, they should ask him more. Um, and he's reading this. And I know what he was doing was imitating me because I walked in and he starts quizzing them. Do you remember how many loaves of fish there were? And how many do you think that would normally feed? And how many people were there again? <laughs> them on the little Bible stories. They, they were not in the Bible. They were just in some children's book. And the reason that he was doing that was because that's what he had seen me do. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And they're answering the questions and, you know, and they don't always have them right. Sometimes they give the dumbest answers. And I'm like, what? Where did that come from? No, that's, that's not right at all. But I mean, I don't say that to them. I'm just like, well, that's a good thought. But it's kind of like on Family Feud when people give the dumbest answers and they're like, good answer and you're like that's not a good answer but you know encourage your kids good answer that's a good answer that's not the right one but good answer so anyways um so in our family it was kind of all over we didn't have any structure and I was really struggling so before we started recently in this last school year I have implemented actually like pretty much a daily thing but until then I had not been able to get anything daily and so the biggest thing that we were able to do was just implement talks about God and the Bible throughout the day throughout regular and and I got to a point where I was like oh my gosh I'm not even talking to my kids about the Bible at all like it, it doesn't even occur to me to talk to my kids about the Bible I'm like they're gonna get to an age where I have forgotten to mention salvation and I have forgotten to mention you know and I was like I'm living my faith but am I teaching them how to live it and so I just had to start talking them through things like 
why do I make this decision? And why, why do your dad and I choose to do this? And why do we choose not to do that? And just start talking to them. And some of the best conversations that we had together were in the car. Um, when the kids were just driving along and they just pull out these crazy questions. And I love that. And you're like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? And we have to come up with answers for them. Now we do movies in the car for long car rides. But it is always, unless I'm like miserably sick, a no in the car, in town. And I love that because those have produced some of the best conversations. We're just driving around. They see something. It triggers something in their brain. And they start asking. And I'm able to just have this really great conversation about what the Bible says about something. Um, or God's thoughts on something. Or what I, you know, what I personally believe. Just in the car. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 says, These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I love that verse because it's like pretty much no matter what you're doing, you can be talking about the commandments that I've given you. Pretty much no matter what you're doing with your kids, you're walking, you're sitting, you're standing, you're laying, it doesn't matter. You're on your head, you can be talking to your kids about the word. And so that if that can just be like your key thing, it's like just drill that into your head this idea that like it doesn't matter what I'm doing, I can be talking to my kids about God. And it doesn't have to be a, kids, we're going to talk about God. <laughs> it just, you know, it just comes up so naturally. Why do we choose to spend our money this way? Why do we choose not to? Why do we support this these kids, you know, in other countries who don't have money? Like, where does that come from? Lots of people just give their money, you know, whether they're Christians or not. But like, if you're a believer and you're giving your money, then it's tied to something. It's tied to your faith. <clears throat> talk to them about that. Why did I say I was sorry to everyone when I just like freaked out at them? You know, why did I do that? It's not just because I feel bad because the reality is, is it probably felt right in the moment, <laughs> but it's more than that. It's a conviction in my heart that comes from God that I am supposed to treat my family with kindness. I am supposed to ask for forgiveness when I have wronged people. Um, so it can be all the time, any day of the week, any time of the day, and it doesn't have to be this formal conversation. It can just be constantly. It's kind of like praying. Praying does not have to be, I'm going to sit down and it's going to look like this. It can just be like, I'm washing the dishes and I want to lose my mind on my kids. So right now I just need to pray. You know what I mean? That's how it can be with our kids. Um, okay. So now I do read the Bible to my kids almost every day, just, just in the week. Not, we usually almost never do it on the weekend. I just never think about it. Um, but in the mornings before school, when my kids are, so they do their chores and then they eat. We had to do their chores first because they were dilly-dallying so much with eating. They weren't getting their chores done. So now they're much more motivated because they want to eat before they go to school, understandably. So they do their chores and then they eat. And everybody's sitting there and eating. And then I just, I've already made their lunches and done their folders. And and I just sit down and I open up my Bible. And we're just reading through the Gospels. And so I just open it up. And we don't even read a lot. Um, but it takes a long time to get through a little because... They don't understand a lot of it. And if I just read it to them and then we close the book, they're hearing all the churchy things, you know, like all the Bible words and their, their brains are soaking them in, but they're not stopping and going, well, what in the world does that mean? You know, and I don't want my kids just to like hear the Bible in one ear and out the other because it doesn't mean anything to them. I want them to dissect it and go, what does that mean? Um, one of the best things that happened in my faith was when I went to college and I went to a school where it was a Christian school, quote unquote, but uh, there was a lot of partying down there. I mean, it was a dry campus. So <laughs> partying happened off campus and people came back and I had to decide, well, I'm on my own now. I'm five hours away from my home. Like, what am I going to stand for? And, and then I grew so much in my faith because I knew 
what I, kinds of things I wasn't going to do, which then was like, okay, well, then I'm going to grow my faith. I'm not going to go this way. I'll go this way. And I started asking questions because my parents weren't around just to tell me anymore. So I'd read the Bible and I'd go, what does that mean? Does that even go in line with what I have always believed? And is this, is this, is what I've believed true and things like that? And I started really asking my own questions. So I really like to encourage my kids. Does this even make sense to you? Like, do you, do you agree with this? Um, Because I want them, I don't want them just to be like, I just drilled in all this knowledge and then one day they have to decide. I want them to be the ones to decide as they're going what they believe and what makes sense to them. So that's right now. We just open up the Bible and we just read a little bit at a time. Um, Whenever I do it, I just briefly recap what we talked about yesterday. So I just don't expect their little brains even my own, to remember. Sometimes I end up reading the same thing twice. I'm like, oh yeah, we read this yesterday. You know, it's like we just don't even always remember, carry over. But I want it to be, I want the word to be alive and active to them. So I don't just want to be like, okay, let's dump in new information today. Let's go back and just quickly talk about, like, do any, does anybody remember what we talked about yesterday? And a lot of times they can just come up with one thing, but they can't quite remember the whole gist of it. So I'll just quick recap what we talked about because another thing that's so important about the Bible is it all works together. But it's so easy just to take little things in context or out of context and just read that one part without realizing how it is affected or is a part of the whole. And since I'm just reading a little bit each day, it would be very easy for them just to go, these things aren't all connected. And so if we just continue to kind of recap, what was Jesus doing? Why is he even talking to these people? Where is he? What's happening? What has just happened? What's about to happen? And help them to see that it all plays a part of this bigger picture. And so we recap, and then we read, and then it is constant. What does that mean? What do you think that means? You know, I ask my kids, like, we're talking about the light, and we're talking about the dark. And I'm like, well, what does the light mean? And what does the dark mean? And when do you ever feel, like, the dark in your life? Do you ever feel the light in your life? What does that mean to you? Um, And just really letting them figure it out, too. And, of course, I have to explain a lot because they just, they can't figure it all out. Um, But that's okay, too. And that's where, if you don't know, you can be like, okay, I'm going to look this up, and we'll talk about it when you get home from school today because I just don't know. Um, a couple other things that you can do with your kids. Um, we have Jesus Calling for Kids. That's a good one. Ve- we have a VeggieTales devotional. So when Joey's doing the kids in the morning, he likes to do this VeggieTales devotional. Sometimes if we have time, I'll do both. Um, there's children's Bibles. I like to read to my kids from the Bible. I don't like to sugarcoat it. I'm just like, this is what it is. I don't think there's anything wrong with children's Bibles, but I also think it's okay for my kids to be hearing the Bible exactly the way it is. The reason the children's Bibles are so great is a lot of times they are easier for kids to understand. But if we only read them things they're easy to understand and then one day they open up a real Bible, they're like, I don't know how to read this, you know? And so I want them to know how to read a real Bible. And then the other thing about a children's Bible, though again, I don't think there's anything wrong with them, is sometimes they sugarcoat it and they leave out like the dark stuff. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's like the VeggieTale movie where they're slapping each other with fishes, but really they were just like murdering each other. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, when we read that in the Bible, I'm like, they were literally murdering each other. You know, like I'm okay with telling my kids that. Like that is how evil and corrupt they were. And God still wanted to save those people. He still sent someone to say, please repent so that I get to save you, you know. And I like the VeggieTales. I mean, it's kind of funny. They're slapping each other's fishes. It's just not, it's not reality. And I want my kids to also know the reality of our history. So that's a little bit about how we do things. There are so many different ways. Obviously, it would make sense just to read with your kids before they go to bed at night. I, I never have. I don't. I mean, I read them other books, but 
I don't know, I've always just let them each pick out a book and then we sit and read them. And so that's never been the time that I've implemented it. For some reason, it's just I feel more fresh in the morning. I feel more able to process through and ask them questions. Whereas at night, I just want to read the book and go to bed. <laughs> so that's just why I don't do it at night. Um, we pray with our kids before bed every single night and I pray over them the things that I want for them. I want for them to grow up and be people of honesty and integrity, to be people of bold faith, people who are willing to share the gospel. You know, I, I, of course I pray they sleep well, of course I pray their protection, but like the reality is, is that those things, you know, the things we need to pray for our kids, speak them over them so that they hear it. Um, speak God's word into them, his promises that he has for us when we follow him. Like pray those things over your kids. Um, obviously, I mean, I shouldn't say obviously, we pray before... We eat and we pray before we send them out the door at school. So the big things that we pray for them when they're going out the door to school is we pray that they will bless other people. We pray that they will love people well, that they will see needs, you know, that they will see people who need a friend and that they will be bold enough to stand up or that they will be bold enough to stand up against injustice and that they will be bold enough to stand up and befriend somebody who maybe isn't, um, that they will serve their teachers, that they will be kind to their teachers. And we pray that they will feel loved themselves, that they will be blessed by other people. Like, I don't want my kids just to go and be servants in the world. I also want them to feel loved by other people. I pray that they'll bring joy to their teachers. We pray for their teachers and for their staff on the way out the door. Almost never do we not pray on the way out the door, but like if I forget and my kids are like, you have a prayer for us! Because <laughs> my neighbor picks them up, so it's like, Carmen's here, time to go! Like, legitimately, that's what it sounds like every single morning. Like, Get your shoes on, Carmen's here! And they're like, you have a prayer for us! <laughs> Build that into their day so that it's so important. And before dinner, we've done lots of different things. We've done it where everyone goes around and prays for someone. That's a great one. Sometimes I just don't take the time to do that. Um, we, d we do who wants to pray. Sometimes I just call on someone. Like, why don't you pray? My three-year-old loves to pray. But he's like, I need your help. So he's just doing a lot of repeat after me. And then we're like, amen. And then he prays for like 17 more things. <laughs> We're like, buddy, you can just say amen. <laughs> but that's okay. I love that he wants to pray. Um, and then um, and then we pray with our kids anytime Anita rises. So like when they fall and they get hurt, we just pray over their owie, you know? When, they, when they're struggling to be kind to one another, we pray over that. When they feel sad because someone wasn't kind to them, we pray over that. So just grab your kids, whatever is going on, and let's just pray about this together. You're really struggling to obey today. Let's pray about that. I'm really struggling to be patient with you. Let's pray about that. You know, I mean, it's just kind of a constant thing. One of my favorite things is when my kids are like, I need you to pray for me. You know, it's like they know it. They're like, I'm out of control and I just need you to pray for me. That's a beautiful thing that we can build into our kids, this idea that like everything is worth praying over. Um, anything, anything, nothing is too small to be prayed over. Um, and I love with my older kids, and you know our story, like they didn't come from a foundation of family and faith and I will say things like, I'm, I'm just really praying for you right now. And they'll be like, once in a while, they'll say, why even bother? It's not going to do anything. And wouldn't you believe there is always some amazing thing that happens. And I'm like, huh, it's almost like my prayers work. <laughs> not to be like, told you so. But I'm like, come on, can you see that? Like, I will literally pray that the wallet is found. The wallet's not going to be found. It's gone, blah, blah, blah. And guess what's found later that day? The wallet. Like, hello. And I'm not saying that because I prayed for it, it was found. But, like, how amazing that they knew I was praying for it. And then it was found. Like, we can just be like, oh, my gosh. It's like God is listening. You know? Or when we're, like, they're just really sad or struggling. And I'm like, I'm just praying for you right now. And I will, if they don't live in my house, I will text them prayers. 
And my boys, they're always like, okay, mom, thanks. But then in a moment of weakness, they'll be like, it really means a lot to me when you do that. <laughs> I really like when you send me those prayers. Um, because it isn't just, I'm praying for you. It is an actual prayer, even if it's just in text. You know, most of the time, if they're real mad or something, they're not going to answer the phone and listen to me pray. They won't. And I understand that because when I have been in really dark, bad places in my faith, like, and a pastor will be like, call Joey and be like, can I pray over Rachel? I'll be like, no, I don't want that person to pray over me. <laughs> they can pray from their house. Like, I'm just so mad right now. I just don't even want to be prayed over. And it's while since I've been in that place, but like, I understand that place. But if I just send it to them, it's up to them if they want to read it or not. And they always do. So anyways, that's a little bit about praying. Um, and then memorizing scripture. So it's so important to memorize scripture. Um, I did not memorize any scripture as a kid. My parents were in this camp where they saw so much legalism in the church and people like, well, my kids have a hundred verses memorized that they were like, we don't want to be that way. That they kind of went to the other extreme and they were like, I'm sure they didn't think we're not going to teach our kids any scripture, but they just like didn't make us memorize scripture. And I do wish that they had encouraged that. And when I asked them about it as an adult, that their explanation made sense. They were like, we were just trying so hard not to do it the way that we saw people doing it so wrong. And we didn't want, I mean, they did not raise legalistic kids and none of us left our faith. Like, I mean, we all had our rebellious periods. And so you know, I'm like, okay, I can't hold it against you. You were just trying to raise kids who didn't walk away from the church. And so, but I was not raised to memorize any scripture. And so this was huge because I never had, I never had any answers. Like nothing came out of me when people would ask me things, you know, and nothing came out of me when I was struggling, when I was really angry or hurting or scared. I didn't have like this wealth of, of knowledge in me that I could just pull out. I'm like, well, I suppose I could go to the Bible and find something. What did I do? Just like flip it open. What do you got for me, God? Like, that's okay. That works too sometimes. But like, if we have it stored up in us, it's going to come out. So when you're comforting a friend, you've got something of value to give them. You know, like, you don't, when your friends are grieving, nothing you can say can make it better. But like, what's better than God's word? You know, nothing is better than God's word. Like, or when I'm so filled with fear, I'm just like consumed with it. But I've got a ver five verses on fear that just come out of me. It's a reminder that I am not to be afraid. It is a reminder of what God says about that. When, you know, there's just a hundred different examples more than that of times that it's so beautiful to have that that just comes out of us. But if we haven't memorized it, it's not going to come out. It's not in our brain. And um, so a couple of verses I'm memorizing. Scripture, Psalm 119.9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding his heart according to your word. And 119.11. I've stored your word up in my heart that I might not sin against you. There are so many verses on, on memorizing scripture and storing it up in our heart. But just for time's sake, I just threw out a few um, when we know what God's word says and it's in us, we can just readily access it when we're thankful, when we're afraid, when we're in trials, when we're in chaos, it's, if it's in there, it's going to come out. Um, and then we can pray God's verses back to him. Um, I read a story, not a story, a book called, um, well, I don't know the exact title, but basically it was like praying God's word over our children. And the whole idea was, Instead of just praying for our kids, let's pray God's promises over our kids. And it was great. And I read it like seven years ago, and I don't even know if I still own it. But it was really powerful to me, this idea that what better to pray back to God than his own words? Like, his words are the best. They're the most, they're just the most true of any words. And so if we're praying his word 
just back to him. We're praying the most pure form of, of prayer for our kids and for our families and for our husbands and for ourselves. Um, and, and we can bank on his promises and we can instill that into our kids too. So my daughter Ada is terrified of storms unnecessarily, irrationally. I don't even know how to really help her through it, to be honest with you, but she is terrified of them, like shaking and like she, I mean, I've never seen a child be so afraid of something so silly. And she knows the storm's not going to hurt her. Like she knows we're relatively safe in our house. I mean, aside from a tornado, which we haven't had. And you know, she knows like this storm out there is not going to get me in here. You know, like, I'm pretty safe in here. Like, the storm isn't going to hurt me. Um, But, like, none of that rationale works for her. And so all I can do when she's just, like, terrified is make her say verses. Like, repeat after me. And she'll be like, I do not need to be afraid. God is bigger than the storm. You know, and she's just like, I'm like, say it louder. And, like, repeat these verses after me. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I'm like, Ada, say it. God is with me wherever I go. God is with me wherever I go. And it doesn't make her less afraid of the storm. It doesn't. But I have to believe that what I'm doing with her in those moments has to be better than like what I want to say, which is like, oh my gosh, just go back to bed. <laughs> like, I don't understand it. I'm like, you're just making everybody wake. She's making everybody wake up in the whole house over her fear. And so I have to believe that that is better than what I want to say in my, you know, really insensitive flesh. Um, and eventually she's going to remember this. She might be afraid of storms for a long time, but she's going to remember. And I'm teaching my kids, rebuke the enemy. Say it out loud. Like, Satan, you have no stronghold over me. Like, Jesus Christ is the one who runs this house, who runs my heart, who runs my life. Like, teach our kids in their moments of whatever it is to say God's word and rebuke the enemy. And if we know those verses, if we have them within us, it's going to be that much easier. Now, how, how do we teach our kids to memorize verses? That's totally up to you. Like, you know, I did a little bit when my kids were younger, and I just you just have to be on top of it. You have to remember to have them do it. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, my kids go to Crestview, and it's amazing because they make them learn a new verse every week. So what is there, 40 weeks in the school year? They learn 40 verses a year. <laughs> it's, like, totally amazing. And I'm like, so we're just not working on verses at home because every week they have a new verse, and I just work on it with them. But it's great because they send it home, and we put it on the fridge, and I, they're getting quizzed on it at school. That's a, that's a cheating way. I get it. But, like, I'm totally taking it. I'm taking that win. Like, their school is teaching it to them, so it's kind of let me off the hook. But in the summer, ideally, we would be going through those verses <laughs> so that they still remember them. Um, but one of the things I love so much is that Ada will say, like, oh, Mommy, did you hear them on the radio? That's like my verse that I did three weeks ago or whatever. And she'll repeat the verse. It's like they're, it's in there. They hear it. And, you know, and if you have kids at home or they're going to public school or you're homeschooling or whatever it is, or they're too little and they haven't gone to school, they can memorize verses, long verses. I'm amazed at the length of the verses that my kids can memorize. And when they were at home and not in school, I did not bring them long verses. I was just like easy and short, like, cause honestly it was just easier for me. Um, but a lot of people have churches where like when we went to Jacob's well, they'd send home like a month sheet, a sheet for the month. And they were like, here are all the verses you can memorize with your kids. And I was like, that's so great. I don't even have to think through what verses to teach my kids. They've just given me a list. I'd put it on the fridge and we would work on those verses. So however it is that you are teaching your kids verses, whether it's tiny ones or big long ones, or you're just cheating and doing it like because <laughs> you send them to private school or because your church sends you something home, like whatever it is, like I, 
I urge you to start working on it with your kids. Um, even if you teach them five verses a year, that's not that many. It's just five, but like if they live in your home for 20 years, that's a lot of verses. You know, now we're talking like, what is that, 100 verses? That's a lot. That's a lot more than I had into adulthood. Um, okay. So moving on, the last thing I just want to talk about, I talked a little bit about this in the beginning, is you don't have to know all the answers. And it is 100% okay to say to your kids, I just don't know that answer. It's so good for our kids to see like our own humility and things. Like, mommy doesn't know all the answers. And I don't ever want my kids to think I do know all the answers because one day they're going to realize I don't. I'd rather them just learn it now or know it their whole life than like have this horrible light bulb moment of like my parents are not perfect. I'd just rather have taught them that their whole life. So it's okay not knowing the answers. There are things that we don't understand. There's things I just don't understand in the Bible. This side of heaven, I might never understand. I can't really make sense of it. Um, But like then I just teach my kids when I don't understand something in the Bible, I still believe it's true. And I believe that God is good. And I believe that if I just trust him, he knows. He knows how it's all going to work out together. He understands the big picture. Um, And I'm just trusting him. And maybe when I get to heaven one day, I'll care enough to ask. And maybe I won't. But, like, I can just rest in that trust that I don't know. I don't understand everything. You know, I I can give the answer all day long of why people die. Why we lose people young. My kids' grandma died of cancer. They never got to meet her, and that means something to them, which I love because we've really built her memory into their lives so much so that they'll say things like, I miss Grandma Didi, and they never even knew her. But, like, she died really young. Her two daughters hadn't gotten married, and none of us had had kids, and that's just a really horrible thing um, that she's missing out on them and that they're missing out on her. And, you know, the answer I can just give is we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where once sin entered, so did suffering and so did pain. And that's why we have it. It isn't that God took her away. It isn't that God, you know, wanted her to die, like wanted her to have cancer. But at the end of the day, it's hard to understand, you know, especially when it happens to really good people, you know, or, um, you, you know, little babies and things like that. It's just, it's really hard to understand. And I am okay with saying to my kids, I don't know. I just don't know. Maybe I'll never know. Maybe one day it will all make sense. And then we can help our kids understand that, like the Bible says, that anybody who loves God, he's going to work everything all together for good. It doesn't mean we're going to love every single thing that happens. But it does mean that he's got a plan and he's trying, he's working it out. Um, and that we can rest in that trust. Psalm 105 says, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The other thing that we can teach our kids is we are just one tiny speck on the dot or on the map. Of this whole, I mean, if you read the Bible, one little person's story is like this big. But it's like this whole, you know, this whole thing that they're a part of. They're just a part of this much bigger plan. And so it feels big to us, our lives. It feels very big to us and very important. But we're just one tiny speck on the map of this whole big plan that God has. It may be something we need to go through right now is going to help future generations. I don't know. I can't explain it all. I won't be able to see it all, but I believe it. And things that like my grandpa went through as a child that were so hard for him, they have helped to shape an entire generation and two, three generations, my mom's generation and my generation and now our next generation. Because of the things that he went through, my mom shared a little bit about her story, his story that shaped her family that then shaped how they each parented their kids. Like 
it's so much bigger than just one little person. And not to say like, oh, we just be little each story. That isn't what I mean. But like to help our kids see there's such a bigger thing at play. And like the whole purpose of the Bible is Jesus is going to come back one day. You know, like that's what we're working towards. We're not, you know, working towards getting our yards mowed and getting good grades and memorizing. We're working towards Jesus coming back. And how many people can we have helped get to know him before that happens. And so just helping our kids see that there's just this whole big picture. The Bible is a whole. And, and it, while it's past, it's still, you know, maybe one day there will be another book written about what, what's going on now, and we're all part of it. So, um, and another big thing that we can work on with our kids is when things are hard, God will show up, and he will pull us through. And it might not look like we think, and it might not be in the timing that we hope or expect, but if we can just learn to trust him and trust that he will when he sees fit, when it is the right time, um, and we can rest in that goodness and that, and that trust in him. Um, and we can use examples in both our lives, in their lives, and in the Bible. You know, there's so many examples of times when things were just looking really bad in my life, in my kids' lives, in the Bible. But God used it. You know, he's got a bigger purpose. So... Those are the things that I was going to talk to you about teaching our kids the word. Um, I just have a few questions for you guys. Um.